0: Tonight, um, my assignment is to grow you up, and so uh, just touch your neighbor and say, it's time to grow up. You might want to uh, prepare your heart for some things tonight, because tonight we're going to talk about the spirit and the flesh, and what that looks like, and so... I want there to kind of be a settling tonight as we as we get into this. And uh, we're going to open up our hearts to really hear the Holy Spirit. So, Father, we thank you right now. You said your words are life. They're not curriculum. They're life. Father, I thank you that your words are life to us, and that when you speak tonight, that we recognize that it's you. And I thank you in Jesus' name. I will preach your word, Father, and I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that you plant the seeds. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. You know, before you you can be seated, that's fine. Um I told you a couple of weeks ago I was at Meyer and I was getting ready to plant a garden, which I've still not got to, by the way. And I got these seeds and I bought these seeds. And uh, so they're sitting in my car. And I was looking all over for an expiration date on these seeds. You know, seeds don't die. Which is kind of crazy because Jesus said. Until a seed falls to the ground and dies. (laughs) That life can't come. In other words, a seed doesn't die of old age. But you can be intentional in destroying it. The only way that seed can find death is if it's intentional. And the only way that we can find life is if we're intentional about dying. You hear what I'm saying? I want to talk about the spirit life tonight. I've pastored here now for, what? what is it, about eight years, eight and a half years, somewhere around there. I can't remember the time, to be honest. Going on nine years here, say June or July, we started 2010, was it, baby? And um, we've come a long way, a lot of new faces, a lot of new families, a lot of new people, I look up and and God has really done some great things. When I first started, I preached a lot from the cross, really understanding the purpose of the cross, understanding our death. And then somewhere down the line, God began to give me a new revelation of the new covenant and grace. And I really, really, really um, love all the revelation that God did with that, what it means to live under grace and not under law. Can you say amen for that? It's freeing in so many ways. But one of the things that I have somewhat, I'm not going to say failed to do, but I have not necessarily uh, taught thoroughly on this subject, is what the spirit life is all about. And the truth is, is that many of us, we have come to church for years over and over and over and over and over and over and we go through the routines and we love the worship. Some of you are here because Vertical Encounter is a worshiping church. And some people love to come because they like to sing and some people love to come because they like the atmosphere of freedom. Some people love to come because they, they enjoy how it feels to have family. How many know that we love each other here in this place? It's genuine. It's not counterfeit. It's not made up. We genuinely love each other. Typically, the only people in my church that have a problem, uh, I've had people say, well, I didn't feel loved or accepted. It's probably because you have a mean spirit. And you don't talk to nobody. The Bible literally says that he that is uh, friendly has friends. Um, and so it, typically, most people, the response of vertical and counter church that when I come, I felt very loved and accepted. But you always get the few that have a problem, and it's usually because they've got internal blockage on the inside. Um, that's just my opinion of that. However, um I have seen different streams throughout the years that I've pastored here and I've seen us grow in one area, in another area, another area. This is an area, this is a season now that I need to be responsible as a pastor to teach what the spirit life looks like in contrast to the flesh. And it is very important because In what we represent, if we don't represent anything, we have to represent the heart and the nature of Christ Jesus in everything that we do. These are the messages that most people won't say amen to. It won't make you want to get up and shout. Last week we had fun. We was Jerichoing and shouting walls down and all of that stuff. We love that. But the reality is tonight is going to challenge you in areas to where it's going to cause you to grow up. And there is coming. I told you last week there is a move of God coming to the earth. The church is getting ready to take a stand like never before. Culture right now is trying to root out the very foundation of the church in this nation. It is trying to reimage it, reimagine it. It is making us bow to the culture. And that's never. How the church has ever operated when the apostles started the church when you look at Paul when you look at Peter when you look at James when you look at these apostles in the New Testament when they started the church this was serious business they was not serving Christ because it felt good as a matter of fact when they signed up as what we know as Christians they was knowing good and well that there was a high possibility they are going to be martyred. These was real commitments. These was not just because I was emotional. There was something very real. I told Shawnee on the way here. um, If you knew, that's my wife. Uh, I told her on the way here tonight. I said, I I get nervous when I preach about the spirit. And the reason being is because um, as a pastor, my heart is that you'll get this stuff. But in my experience, when you teach on the spirit, one thing that. The one thing that I always see is how carnal we can really be. Most times when we're talking about what you need, the thing that the thing that attracts you is your social media. Any distraction from what you need, we usually take the journey to distraction. So tonight I'm asking you to bear with me and to listen to the heart of God as it pertains to the spirit and as it relates to what he's doing in us. Everybody say, I am. Come on, say, I am. Son of God. God. And those who are led of the spirit are sons of God. So let's deal with this. Everybody say spirit life. All right, I'm going to try to get as much as I can here. Let's go over here real quick to Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 through 28. And we're going to read because there's so much meat in this. And then I'm going to try to get to Romans 8. Romans 8 is filled with so much revelation as it relates to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is real, y'all. Do you hear me? It's not just emotions. It's not just somebody. When we think of the Holy Spirit, some of us, all we can imagine is grandma or grandpa walking around saying Shundai 50,000 times, and that's the Holy Spirit. We're going to get much deeper than Shundai tonight. Come on, somebody. Shundai, it's cool. It worked. Sometimes we judge the spirit language by what comes out of our mouth. Someone's called it gibberish. It is. Because the language, the communication isn't coming from a natural ear to a, to a natural mouth. It's the mouth trying to communicate what only the heart understands. So it may come out. How do I know it's the spirit? All they're saying is shundai, 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 die, shun die, shun die. No, they're not. You're, you're, you're seeing repetitive things because you're viewing it through the natural language. The heart is turned on. As the mouth is trying to interpret. But it can't. They're called groanings. That cannot be. It's our trying to utter. What only the heart and the spirit is communicating. <laughs> Amen. So we're going to get into spirit life tonight. Matthew. Now this is a mind blowing revelation. I want you to really dive into this passage here. Let's read.
1: Then they understood that he did not say to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is?
0: Quick theology lesson. It's important because it gives you context. Caesarea Philippi, Caesar. That's what Caesarea. That's where we get Caesarea, Caesar, from. In other words, it was a Roman-occupied territory, right? When you study the Greeks, where does the mythology come from? Greeks. When, when I say Zeus, what do you think? Greeks got Greek gods. When I say, when I say Ares, you see Greek gods. When I say Aphrodite, you think Greek gods. Why? Because that's where uh, this mythology at the time it used to be theology do you know let me just say this for you in case you don't know there was a period of time when christ come on the scene christians was the new atheist why because they was refuting the old thinking to to polytheism which is multiple gods and now they came into what we call monotheism which is one god It was atheistic in nature because the world was saying, what are you talking about? You don't believe in Zeus? No. There's this new guy named Jesus. All right? So there's this new guy named Jesus. So watch this. They come to Caesarea Philippi. Jesus is asking them a question. Who do men say that I am? Why would he say that? Because he's standing in a city where there's statues of people who are self-proclaimed gods. Sons of gods. Hercules was called a son of God born of a virgin that was the myth born of a virgin someone said well how do we know Jesus didn't get that story from these people because the enemy knew the plan all along if if I'm going to bring confusion I want to get my story first come on somebody to this the problem is that was all a lie Christ really was born of a virgin Come on, somebody. Now watch this. This is what's amazing about the story. He's standing in the middle of a realm in which there is statues of self-proclaimed sons of God. And he's saying, who do they call me? I know what they're saying about this statue. I know what they're saying about this statue, that he's the son of Zeus, that he's the son of that. What do they call me? It's amazing that he's asking that question in the middle of everybody else who was counterfeits. Here's the only real deity, the only real son of God, the only real, real son of God that's ever walked the earth. And all of a sudden he asked this question. Now, watch this. He said to them,
1: and they said, some say John the Baptist and others, Elijah, but still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am?
0: Touch your neighbor, say, who do you? Come on, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you for a reason. Who do you say that I am? Because this is one of the reasons why you're not seeing spiritual breakthrough. You're living off of who I say he is. Who do you say that he is? Where is your relationship? Where is your experience? The Holy Spirit is working in you. Come on, somebody. He's working in you. He's, you, can, you can love my preaching, but it's all a rumor until you experience it. Amen, somebody. So, so you have to you have your own journey, your own framework in which God is working through you, trying to get you to understand who you are in Christ and who He is in you. The Holy Spirit's job is to introduce you to the real you that is in Christ that was founded in Christ. Do you know He knew you before you took a breath? Come on, somebody. He knew you before you ever had a memory. And so we have to understand that he's asking them, who do men say that I am? And then he says, who do you say that I and Watch this. Simon Peter answered. He says, watch this. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Sounds pretty dynamic as we read it, but let's continue to read. Watch. And Jesus said to him, I'm, I'm sorry, Candace, I'm just in my flow. Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. Everybody say Bar-Jonah. Son of Jonah. That's what it means. Son of Jonah. Simon, son of Jonah. Blessed are you because the flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Everybody say flesh and blood don't get it. What does that mean? Your reasoning doesn't get it. Your carnal man doesn't get it. Your logic doesn't get it. Your ability to figure it out mathematically, you're not going to get it. It's not a natural thing. This stuff is spiritual. It's going deeper than your natural man. Some of us are not getting what God is trying to get to us because it's, we're stopping. We're trying to create a dialogue only in our natural man. It's deeper than the natural man. I, I, I'm telling you right now, I, there's just certain people who are not spiritual. You talk to them, everything is the natural mind. It's all about the equations of the mind and the logic of the thinking. They just don't get some things. That, some things are only spiritually discerned. I could not have just married any type of woman. I've, I've been with beautiful women. I've been with women that, that looks good on the outside, but on the inside, there's nothing there. They don't get what you, what you what, can only the spirit that's a, It's a spiritual thing. It's hard to explain to a natural man what is being done in the spirit, what is realized in the spirit. I fell in love with her, not just because she's beautiful on the outside, but because there's something there in the spirit. We created a dialogue deeper than the natural man. I said, I could do life with somebody like that. Because there's going to be seasons to where the natural looks crazy. And I don't have words for the natural. I can't describe the natural. Oh, but I need somebody to where I can say when life gets crazy, we can begin to transition our conversation from a natural conversation and tap into wisdom that is spiritual. Not everybody goes to a place of the spirit world. A lot of people are doing Christianity from flesh and blood. He said, flesh and blood ain't revealed to you, but my Father in heaven has. It takes the Spirit to say you are the Christ. Because you can say it in the natural, but it doesn't mean you believe it. Jesus actually knew what he was saying. He believed. And he said, that had to be my dad that showed you that. I didn't teach you what to say. I didn't coach you on what to say there. Who do you say to them? I am. He said, you're the Christ. You said daddy had to show you that nobody else could have give you that answer you're the Christ but watch this continue to read
1: I also say to you that you are Peter and upon isn't
0: the- it funny that when you recognize who he is he tells you who you are huh Soon as you recognize who he is by the spirit, he tells you who you are by the spirit. He started out with asking Simon Barjona a question. Now he's talking to Peter. Same guy, different nature. Same guy, different nature. Come on, somebody. So let's continue.
1: And upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven.
0: He's not giving Simon the keys. Simon ain't the one that got has got the keys. Simon ain't the one that has the authority to bind on earth and loose in heaven. Simon ain't that guy. Come on, somebody. It's Peter is that guy. Simon ain't the one building the church. It's not, the, it's not who you pretend to be that God gives all the authority to. Come on, somebody. It's who you really are. It's the you. And they say, Pastor, who am I really? It's the you that sees Christ by the Spirit. I'm telling you, when I tell you I believe in God, it's not just because I've done theology and it all just makes sense. It's because I've had an experience with God that doesn't make sense here all the time. But I know in my heart, no matter what I've done, no matter what mistakes I've made, no matter how many seasons I forget who I am, I know in my heart that I've experienced something that is more real to me than you are. And by the Spirit, I can say you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. I may not understand how it happens, but I know in my heart this is real. We ain't pretending. We ain't playing church. We ain't playing Christianity. This is real stuff. I'm not just singing songs. You may be singing songs. I'm worshiping. There's a difference. Everybody say the spirit Spirit life. Not everybody's ready for this. This type of teaching, not everybody is ready for this stuff. This separates the sheep from the goats. Jesus said his word. It's like a sword. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It cuts. It divides. Not everybody that's going to church understands Christ. Holy Spirit's job is to get you to finally see with your eyes closed. Oh, Jesus is he's trying to get you to see with your eyes closed. Some of y'all think she needs healing. I know you do. She may be blind in the natural, but she's seeing everything in the spirit. Come on, somebody. When Jesus healed the blind man, he didn't give him what he asked for. Not the first time. <laughs> the man opened his eyes like, oh, I'm going to see, bam, and he sees trees. Because when God touches you, the first thing you see, the first thing that you see is what he wants you to see. The Bible said in the Old Testament that we are trees of righteousness. He started to see men from a righteous perspective, not knowing them after the flesh. But ah, since you keep pursuing me, I'll give you what you're asking for. Here, now you can see. should have stuck with the first one. You don't have as many problems when you see the way the kingdom wants you to see. Amen, somebody? So watch this. Is this okay tonight?
1: And whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Then he warned the disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ.
0: Do you know why he said that? Because it's not your job the holy spirit every revelation of the holy spirit has to be an inward working personally in the individual he knew that it he knew that this this doesn't spread by you telling somebody about him if you can reflect his nature it invites them to see it themselves i can tell neo all day long that you're the one but until we go through the rebirthing process in the matrix Did anybody see The Matrix, man? I've been watching it all week. That movie has got more depth in it, I swear. It's got more depth than some of our our biblical movies that come out in Hollywood. It's amazing to me. Morpheus shows up and he sends Trinity. And he says to him, he says, Neo, I believe that you're the one. And he... He inspires him, and so he, he takes the right pill, and then he, he's born again, so to speak, in the movie. And his eyes hurt, and he says to him, he says, why do my eyes hurt? He's a full-grown man, and Morpheus says, because this is the first time you've ever used him. And then all of a sudden, he goes through this journey of being trained with martial arts, and he's able to do things that nobody else can do. And he finally gets to to where he's believing that he might be special. He might be a little different because of what he's doing. And he meets the prophet. Am I the one knowing that she was going to confirm it? She says, no, no, no. Not yet. Not in this life. (laughs) It wasn't until we died. And rose again. They begin to see everything different. <laughs> oh, I'm watching that movie tonight. Come on now, go watch the Matrix. It speaks the volume of the kingdom. Some parts. Amen. Watch this next part. Let's continue reading.
1: From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me for you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's.
0: Isn't it funny that when Jesus brings up the word Satan, he uses it in context to Peter's desires. I'll say that again. He didn't say Satan and then describe this horn fallen angel that's got this big old You know, staff with three prongs on it, the fire coming out of his ears, with canine teeth. No, no, no. He described the same dude he just gave the keys to the kingdom to. And what made him call him Satan is because Jesus, his entire mission was a suicide mission. He was born just to die. He was the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. His job was to get to the cross to redeem all man. The teaching that he did was great, but it means nothing. Redemption doesn't come through teaching. It comes through experience. Now, that's that's something that needs to settle right there. That needs to really find its place. Pastor, how do I know if I'm carnal or not? I'm going to tell you. What are you thinking about right now? Where is your mind right now as we're talking about spiritual stuff? You just found your answer. If your mind is elsewhere, then you got some carnality that God is wanting to root out so that you can really have a deeper spirit language. We are in a time to where God is getting ready to do miracles like never before in the body of Christ. I was talking with uh, how many you know, Pastor Jeff Turner I bring in every once in a while. Called him in the office right before church, man, and he said, what are you teach, teaching on that? I said, man, the Spirit. He said, oh, my gosh. I said, what? He said, man, Romans 8. And he said, can, can you go to Romans 8? I said, no, shut up, man. I'm t- about to preach. I'm, I don't want any other thoughts about where I'm at. He said, no, go to Romans 8. I said, okay, go to Romans 8. That's how we talk to each other. And he says, go to Romans 8. So I go to Romans 8. And he said, man, he said, dude, and look at this passage. And all of a sudden, he brings this passage out. And he says, man, I've been crying all morning, man. He said, dude, the spirit is so real. I said, I know. That's why you called me. (laughs) He said, no, man, you're not getting it. The spirit is real. I said, I am getting it. The spirit is real. (laughs) Something was alive in him because the words of Christ are life. He was experiencing life in the moment. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So here's, here's what's happened in this passage. One moment in just a paragraph. You can change your mind in a paragraph. It only takes a paragraph to go from the spirit to flesh. One paragraph. You don't even got to get through the chapter for you to change your mind. We do it with sentences, let alone Paragraphs. One minute we can be tapped into the Spirit. Somebody step outside and make sure everything's good. I see sirens out there. Parking lot. They're not there no more. I hope Dorian's okay. They're like, there he is. I got him. No, I'm kidding. I'm choked. Love you, D. See, that was carnal. I just had one sentence. <laughs> Long story short, Peter was given the keys to the kingdom. Flesh and blood has not revealed this spirit life. One time he transits. As soon as Jesus started talking about persecution, what happened? Why did he go from spirit to flesh? Because Peter did not. He was not understanding that for the kingdom to come, this man had to die. Peter wanted Jesus for his personal experience. There was something about Jesus that made him feel valuable, and he did not want to lose that. He didn't want that relationship to translate from being naturally, naturally. See, in the natural, he had Jesus available to him. He didn't want it to translate to faith availability. He didn't want to have to have a relationship to translate from, now I have in the natural it's available, but now you're no longer available in the natural. Now it's going to require me to see you from a deeper place. He didn't want Jesus to disappear and translate into something else. Come on now. He he had faith. Now, he had faith in one moment because it didn't require any sacrifice he's seen in the spirit in one moment clearly because there was no sacrifice attached to it but the moment that Jesus asked them listen I got to go to the cross that's going to change our our relationship that's going to change the way I'm not going to have as much time with you anymore I'm not going you're going to have to remember what I told you now I'm not here to remind you all the time you're going to have to understand things differently now you're going to have to grow now you're going to have to trust me in seasons now I'm not here to bail you out I'm not here to walk on the water for you I'm not here to turn wine or water into wine no more you're not going to see me do natural things supernatural things in the natural that convinces you of who I am you're going to actually have to remember me by the spirit and you're going to have to let faith be the thing that guides you Peter wasn't ready for that because the cross meant he now had to grow and so he said no God forbid don't go (laughs) He Gets in the carnal, and Jesus said, No, 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 you don't know what spirit you're of. Get behind me, Satan. The same dude that he just gave the keys to, he's now calling him Satan. It's mind blowing to me how quick. Don't get, don't, don't start beating up Peter. We do it quicker than he does. Come on, somebody. When the spirit. Saturday was awesome. Pastor Shawnee was singing. Pastor, Shauna, they was going forth, man. word was good. Hallelujah. Great. As soon as you leave out this parking lot, you're doing something stupid. Something crazy. Come on now, let's just be real. All up in your flesh. Got one phone conversation, it took you out of, you was just in the Holy of Holies. God, I love you, Pastor Man Jericho. The wall's gonna hallelujah! And you walk outside, you just grab that hammer and start building every wall around you. <laughs> Come on now, and then you come back, and you got all these walls all around you, all these offenses. They all right back. you. Listen, they didn't even chase you down. You actually attracted them. You called them. Come on back. I don't feel right without you guys here. I don't want to have to get to know me in a different way. Oh, oh See, we're not bound by our experiences, our negative experiences. We're bound by the memories. Of our negative experiences. Not everything you remember was true of what you went through. Your interpretations are keeping you in slavery more than your actual experience. Oh, man, I'm, I'm teaching tonight. Everybody say the Holy Spirit. Ooh, there's freedom when you actually submit your interpretations to the Spirit. Daddy wasn't there for me. Submit it to the Spirit. You'll find out why he wasn't there for you. He was a broken man that was fearful, that grew up crazy, that was their father wasn't there for him. And all of a sudden, you'll have grace and compassion for him. You'll quit judging him because you realize that you failed in smaller temptations. It's not that he didn't love you. He just didn't know who he was. You'll start to have compassion for these people. You'll quit judging them. Submit your interpretations to the Spirit and watch him translate them. You might want to write that down. Let's say Peter. Man, I got so much to get to. Can I have ten minutes? I'm trying. Many of us only use the spirit to remove our guilt, but never to grow. We only use the spirit life to remove condemnation. We love VC because there's no condemnation of Christ. You hear that a hundred times. But you don't use the Holy Spirit enough to challenge your paradigms that need to die. Your mindsets that need to die. The Holy Spirit will challenge you in areas that you don't want to be challenged in. It's not a challenge. Come on now. It's, it's it's not really a challenge um, if the only thing he's dealing with is what you want him to deal with. Amen? I'm loving her spirit tonight. I, I'm, I'm I'm eating. I, listen, I'm, we having a conversation that we ain't even having here. Me and her, we just... I'm about to close my eyes and we're just going to go in. Me and you. I'm t- I'm loving it. <laughs> Amen. Somebody, let's go here to Romans, just real quick. Romans chapter eight. Everybody, write this down too. As you're going there, as we're getting up. We'll get it up on the, the the screen here. But everybody, write this down. The word, the Greek word for flesh. Um, and why is it important that we pull out the Greek word? Because the New Testament is written in Greek. That's the original language. So the Greek word for flesh is the word sarx. Everybody say sarx. So you're speaking Greek already. S-A-R-X. It literally means flesh. And this is what it means. I wrote this down so you can take notes. Literally means the carnal side of us. I like this definition better. The untouched or unchanged part of us. What is not transformed by God. That's what flesh is. What is unchallenged by God, the Holy Spirit. All right. Watch this. Romans 8, and we're going to start in verse 5. Let's read.
1: For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh But those who are, according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile towards God.
0: But say hostile. Come on.
1: For it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so.
0: Look at here. The flesh, it refers to the part of us that is alienated from God. It is the rebellious, unruly part of our inner self that is operative, uh, that is that is uncooperative with the spirit. It is unruly. What are you passionate about? What, What are you passionate about? Your passions can really show you. A lot about who you are as a person. What gets you going? What do you really, some, some of y'all, man, like, <laughs> some of us are quiet until just whatever you're passionate about, like, I'll be honest, like, so we was playing ball Wednesday night at Troy at Zion Church out there. Now, everybody knows TH's husband, Jeremy, that plays drums, right? Jeremy don't say much. Pretty quiet, he walks into the gym, he doesn't really say much. Matter of fact, the whole way to the gym, I think we had like three words between us. Hi, how are you doing? That's a little more than three, but it felt like three. Matter of fact, I don't know how many words, but it was very small conversation. And and I felt a little awkward because I I don't do good with silence. My wife says I talk a lot. And we're just driving. And it, it just felt weird, man. Like, man, dude, I can't believe Toronto won, man. I know. That's it. I know. <laughs> Quiet. Just doesn't say nothing. Okay? And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, we get to the gym, and we start playing ball. And it was a clear travel. He, the man traveled. And I said, travel. No oh, man, that ain't travel, PG. That ain't travel. Come on, PG. Come on, man. That's not travel. My foot. Like this. He's super passionate. I'm like, where was you in the car? <laughs> Next time I need a conversation, I'm going to start with travel. <laughs> Where's this guy at? He's <laughs> Passionate because he's passionate about basketball. He was still wrong, but he's passionate about basketball. He traveled. It was a travel. <laughs> but his passion changed who he was in that moment. It just revealed this is something that he's passionate about. And then the whole game, he was talking, yagging, yagging. It was all just, you know, hoop and talk. But he was super passionate about it. You can tell a lot about an individual by what you're passionate about. This is why the Bible talks about crucifying the passions, the fleshly passions that we have. What actually are you passionate about? You can tell a lot about your carnality as it relates to your passions. Okay, This is spirit talk still. Let's continue to read here. The mind that is governed by the flesh is hostile towards God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. It's hostile. What does that mean? Somebody. Huh? It's opposed to it. In other words, it, when, when Pastor Gail comes to you and I'm led by the Spirit to say, you need to check this. This ain't right. Or when the Holy Spirit, somebody comes to me and says, Pastor Gail you need to check this. Listen, all correction don't come from me. Something, I see this. This needs to change. This needs This needs to be checked. Right? And so they check it. My flesh doesn't automatically say, yay, yay, hallelujah, I was wrong. You know, it doesn't feel that way because typically the things that we do in the carnal, see, our carnal side is our self-remedy side. It's in the carnal nature. We self-remedy our conditions in the, from our carnal man. I was hurt, so what I need to do is put up walls that 's not the spirit man talking that is the carnal man talking i was I, I, I was hurt by love one time i 'm not going to trust it again that 's not the spirit man talking that 's your carnal man talking that way the Bible says leads to death right The spirit man leads to life the other one leads to death. This is why some of us we 're breathing but we 're not alive you 're breathing you got intake. <sighs> You're inhaling and exhaling, but you're still not living life. That's why Jesus said, I've come to give you life, and then that more abundantly. He was talking to people that was existing, but come on now. God didn't just want you to survive. God wants you to actually experience life, and that more abundantly. And the only way to do that is to follow his plan for your life. The Holy Spirit, that's why we call him a Holy Spirit, because he is holy. He speaks to us from a wholeness holy he speaks to us from a wholeness and we don't want to hear what whole people have to say when you are bad at managing money you don't want to get around people that manage money good when you are doing something that ain't good you don't want to get around the person that's doing it right because you're going to feel condemned you're going to feel as if you're not good enough to be in their presence you're, you're hostile towards that what we do when we're doing wrong or carnal stuff we lean to justify us doing it because of what we went through We reward ourselves with our own self-remedies, not realizing that is the trick of the devil. That's how he keeps you bound. He allows you to reward yourself. You deserve it. And while you're giving yourself what you think you deserve, you're robbing yourself of your purpose. Can you say amen? Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Romans 8 verse 14. Let's read.
1: For all who are being led by the spirit of God, these are sons of God. Mm. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. But you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out. Isn't that something? Slavery, real
0: slavery is fear. I want you to see that. Egypt isn't always slavery if God called you to it. It's the fear of Egypt that's slavery. Sometimes God, see, if if Egypt was slavery, God would have never sent Moses back. Egypt was his assignment. Sometimes God will send you to the places that hurt the most, but he'll deliver you from the fear of it. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to dig this. This is this is t- tough stuff, man. I know it bores some of us, man. It's, it's, but I got to teach it. I got to teach it. You got to draw the line in the sand, what is spiritual and what is carnal, man. I'm telling you, we got to grow up in this house. It's, we got to be, become more than just passionate singers and worshipers. We actually let, have to let our worship translate into the way that we do life and let the spirit be the, what is leading us in all things. Amen, somebody? And so th- th- he says, don't go back to slavery, which is fear. And now watch this next part here.
1: The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Right here. Watch this. If indeed we suffer with him, right there. so that we may also be here, glorified. Here's
0: where we mess up. This is where the, we're, we're in the dilemma Peter's in. We want to be spiritual until we have to suffer. Listen, it, you got to your carnal condition because of pain, there's no way to get back without it. God will require, that's why people don't want to be spiritual, because we don't want to take inward journeys that have to face certain things. Your healing, I'm telling you right now, the the beauty of God taking you back to get victory over something is when he tells you to go back. He actually, the the fear that you, see, we we premeditate how we're going to feel when we visit those places. And when you follow the spirit, the amazing thing is that you find that as you go back and trust the Holy Spirit, all of your premeditating was actually not even real. Because you'll find peace that passes understanding. I didn't know that was going to be there. I didn't know that was in my tool bag as I went back. Take the next step. You'll find joy. I didn't know, why am I joyful? Last time I faced this, there was no joy. It's because you was doing it in your own efforts. Self-remedies never birth purpose. Self-remedies never birth purpose. Amen? Everybody say, I will. Trust God. Man, there's so much stuff to this. Good Lord. Let's go to verse 18 just real quick. Verse 18. Let's read.
1: For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us.
0: That's the key right there. The sufferings of the present time is not worthy to be compared to the glory that is before us. Let me just say this in closing. We're going to say vision. Can you see past? Let me say this. How far can you see? As it relates to your life and your purpose. Are you short-sighted or can you actually see beyond what you're going through? Jesus, the Bible says that he endured the cross before him because of the hope that was set before him. In other words, I can go through the toughest thing in my life because of my anticipation of what happens after I go through it. It's unbearable to go through a season or a test that God's requiring for you to go through if you don't see anything beyond it. Why do you think God only showed Joseph the palace and not the process? The dream that he had had nothing to do with the betrayal, none of that stuff. It was only the, the palace, he, because he what he did is he spoke to him from the joy, the hope that was going to be set before him. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So what, that's why what I'm saying people that don't have vision in their life don't create boundaries in their life. The Bible says that uh, 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 as it relates to vision – when people don't have vision that they cast off restraint, in other words, restraint, I've taught this in the house about a year ago, restraint is borders. It's, in other words, you're putting things into place strategically that you are putting borders up so that there's a safety zone because you are literally invested and you want to make sure that things are, are protected in such a way because you're preparing for something beyond where you're at right now. People that don't have vision, they mismanage money, they mismanage everything. Because I've got it now, you get a thousand dollars out of the blue. What's the first thing you do? Most people go get the latest Jordans, the newest video game. Stuff they don 't really, really need. They don't really need it. Why? Because it, they don't see anything coming after that. Are you seeing what I'm saying? People with a vision that understand. This is where God wants me in five years. This is where God wants me in ten years. I know that every blessing that's coming into my present is a seed for my future. I need to put it in the ground where it belongs so that God can do something with it, and then I'm prepared for where I'm going. They create borders. you got to do it with relationships. If God is preparing you for a ministry that is going to deal with specific things in the body of Christ to where people need healing, you're going to have to protect yourself. You're going to have to put up borders in your life so that you can get to where God has told you to be. Sometimes God will require you to isolate yourself to not be around certain people because it's not going to do any good for you in that season. You need to be around like-minded people. That's putting up borders. That's protecting the investment that God has put in you. You're, you're, you're taking this serious. I see myself in five years doing this, preaching the word, dealing with this, dealing with deliverance, helping people get the principles that's needed to take them to the next level. You're not going to be able to hang out with the crowd that don't have a mindset like that. You got to put vision requires you to have restraint. Amen. Same thing with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, it's the same thing. The hope that's set before us. I will endure the process. God's put me. In. How does this relate to the Spirit? Because ne- I'm talking about the nature of the Spirit tonight. Next week, I'm going to talk about the gift of the Spirit. It's two different things. Why is this such an important thing? Because the nature of the Spirit. To become spiritual, you're going to have to face the necessary things that God is calling you to face. Okay, whatever that looks like, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. Some of us don't even re- it Sometimes it takes a breakthrough of the Holy Spirit to even recognize how carnal we are. So, Father, I did my assignment tonight. Amen. Everybody say the spirit and the flesh. You can stand with me. Thank you.